You're listening to Standing in the Gap. Standing in the Gap is a weekly podcast dedicated to the exposition of scriptures. I'm your host and podcast preacher, Brandon Harrell. I'm the pastor of Bethesda Baptist Church in East Flat Rock, nestled here in the mountains of Western North Carolina, where I've served for the past 10 years. I pray the podcast will bless your life as we study God's Word together. This is Pastor Brandon. Hope you're doing well. We're in the Gospel according to Matthew. And we've introduced this book somewhat and began to look at the text of it on last week. And uh, the the first verse here says, The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And we established the fact that in this genealogy, it was necessary for the Jews to have a continual showing of their descent for several reasons. Uh, we mentioned those to you. One for, was for titles or uh, for the ownership of property. One was for taxation. We see that uh, example of that in Luke chapter number two. Uh, then for temple worship, the Levites uh, were those responsible for the temple worship and priests had to be Levites. And, uh, we mentioned how that in Ezra, there was a time when they were rebuilding the temple. They could not prove their uh, descent and they were not allowed to uh, serve in the temple. It was very important that they had this information. Uh, but then finally, most importantly, we thought about the fact that Matthew's purpose in this genealogy was to show that the Lord Jesus had right to the throne. He is the king. And of course, that is the overall overarching theme of the book of Matthew, the kingship of Christ. There's much said in this book about the kingdom of heaven and the fact and the reality that the Lord Jesus is the king. And he speaks of this as the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. We spent some time last time looking at those names, Jesus Christ, Jesus, Jehovah is salvation, the one who saves. And of course, looking forward to getting to verse 21 of this chapter. And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And then we looked at the name Christ, this title given to him. It's that word that means, excuse me, anointed, the anointed one. Uh, It's the equivalent of the Hebrew Messiah, the Hebrew word translated Messiah. And of course, we looked at the anointing uh, of Christ as prophet, priest, and king. And today, we notice two other phrases used here in verse 1 as we enter into this genealogy. He refers to Christ as, first of all, the son of David, and second of all, the son of Abraham. Uh, With this, I want to begin to look at uh, our little outline that I have together for this particular genealogy. And in these two phrases... What we find is the goal of Matthew in this genealogy, the goal of this genealogy. There are two things primarily on the mind of Matthew as he writes this genealogy that he wants us to know, two goals that he wants to accomplish. First of all, he wants to establish and to show Christ's legal descent through David. And then secondly, he wants to show and establish Christ's lineal descent through Abraham. So his legal descent through David and his lineal descent through Abraham. 
Now, what's interesting is Matthew, of course, is writing primarily to a Jewish audience concerning the coming of the Messiah that they expect. And so he only goes as far back as Abraham. In Luke's uh, account, in Luke's genealogy, he goes all the way back to Adam. And of course, Luke is presenting Christ as the son of man and uh, presenting him as God become flesh and dwelling among us. And so he goes all the way back to Adam to show uh, the relevance of Christ coming to the earth, uh, to the whole world. And of course, Matthew proves that as well, but he's emphasizing uh, Christ coming to the Jews. And so he, he wants to show and establish Christ's legal descent through David and his lineal descent through Abraham. Now, he says he is the son of David. I want you to you know, take note of that phrase. Now, we understand that Christ was not the direct son of David. Uh, and as we uh, look through these genealogies, we see that flow. But that doesn't keep, oftentimes in Scripture, uh, biblical authors from uh, calling one who may be a grandson or a great-grandson or a great-great-great-great-great-grandson. They, they will often refer to them as the son of such an individual. Uh, but here he is the son of David. Now, no Jew would accept a king as Messiah who was not of the line of David. This they understood from scripture to be critical, a defining characteristic of the Messiah that they expected. Now, this began in the days of Jacob. Of course, Jacob, when he was on his deathbed and he was uh, pronouncing those prophecies upon his sons. Uh, he said this in Genesis 49, 8 through 10. He said, Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hands shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp from the prey. My son, thou art gone up. He stooped down. He couched as a lion and as an old lion who shall rouse him up. But now notice this next verse. The scepter shall not depart from Judah nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come and until and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. And so he refers here to uh, Judah and says that the scepter shall not depart uh, until Shiloh come. And so he's, he's appointing Judah as the kingly line and he says that the scepter would not depart until Shiloh come. Uh, Shiloh it just simply means tranquility or peace or uh, 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 just, just simply peace and tranquility. And so he's pointing to the kingdom of Messiah, that last kingdom that would be. And he says that the scepter would not depart until that was the case. And so Judah had, uh, Jacob had already established that this kingly line would come through Judah. And of course, uh, we see that in verse number two of Matthew's genealogy. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas and his brethren. And then he says in verse three, and Judas begat Pharez and Zerah, and goes on down the line all the way to verse six, and says, and Jesse begat David the king. And so, David was uh, actually the second king of uh, Israel, but he was the first king that God himself had chosen. Saul was chosen by the people. And of course, God anointed him, and ordained him, uh, anointed him and ordained him. 
but it was David that was on God's heart for the king, uh, for the role of king among Israel. And so Judah's line, it was established that this would be the case as far back as Genesis chapter number 49. But then uh, there were many prophecies that pointed the Jews to this fact and caused them to believe it. And uh, one of my favorite is found in Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verses 6 and 7. And there we read, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And so Isaiah gave this great prophecy concerning uh, the Lord Jesus that would come. And he says of him that his name shall be called. In that little phrase, his name shall be called. Uh, this points us to the character and the attributes of the Lord Jesus Christ. When the scripture mentions a name, it's referring to all that encompasses who an individual is. And it refers to their attributes, their character. And of course, these names that are given, he said, he shall be called. They will uh, refer to him in this way. They will ascribe to him these attributes and these characteristics. He shall be wonderful. And uh, wonderful here has the idea of performing wondrous things. And of course, the Lord Jesus in his earthly ministry was uh, notably uh, responsible for countless miracles, uh, causing the blind to see and the lame to walk and uh, healing those that were sick of the palsy and those that had leprosy. And of course, uh, we think of him having power over his creation, the fig tree that he caused to wither up with just a word. Think about the seas when they were raging against the ship of the uh, apostles, how that the Lord Jesus could step out on the boat and simply say, peace be still, and the waters would be as calm and as quiet as they'd ever been. And the Lord Jesus came and did many wonderful works. He did many miracles. And all those miracles were designed to show that he had power, that his word was true. He is called the counselor, the one who is wisdom. He is the very wisdom of God. And he says, according to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, he is unto us wisdom. He is our counselor. Then he is the mighty God. Now, this speaks of his deity. He is God incarnate. God manifest in the flesh. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus is the mighty God. He goes on and says he is the everlasting father and the Lord Jesus is our father in that sense. He is the Prince of Peace, the only one who can give real peace. He is the King of Peace. His reign will be peace. His reign in our hearts gives peace. And the, the scripture says of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. And he says, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. 
And so he mentions here David, the throne of his father, David. And of course, uh, that is why Matthew emphasizes this truth in uh, the gospel account. He is the son of David. So the prophecy in Isaiah, as well as other prophecies, made it necessary for Matthew, who intends to show the kingship of Jesus the Messiah, to establish his lineage through the line of David. The importance of this is reflected in the fact that David is mentioned in this genealogy even before Abraham is mentioned. He says, Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then he goes in verse two and begins at Abraham and works his way down through time showing the lineage of uh, Jesus Christ. So he is to come through the line of David. He is to reign upon the throne of his father, David. And I believe that will happen. He will uh, yet reign upon the throne of his father, David, as king of kings and Lord of lords. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Uh, but in the meantime, let us understand that he reigns now. He reigns uh, over his creation. He reigns in the heart of every believer. And he is on his throne. He is uh, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Till next time, this has been Pastor Brandon. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. I hope it's been a blessing to you. If you'd like to contact me, you can find our church's website at www.BethesdaBaptistEastFlatRock.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at PreacherB underscore BBC. If you'd like to watch our services live streamed, you can do that on Facebook at Bethesda Baptist East Flat Rock. God bless you till we meet again.